because we believe that those words we hear them and if our voice in our head saying you're not good enough you're not good enough we become fearful we become scared and we think god i don't want to do that i'm not i'm not good enough like i can i can tell i'm not good enough and we can feel that we're not good enough because our feelings come from our thoughts welcome to the high performance health podcast with your host angela foster the show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high-performance mind, body and lifestyle. Hello everyone, it's Angela here and I have a very special episode for you um, today. One that I have been holding on to for some time, waiting for the right time to release it. And it feels right. This is going out on the 1st of September um, 2020 after we've all kind of just finished our summer and the world is starting to move again. So we had that period of lockdown from sort of March onwards and then we sort of transitioned almost straight into summer and I feel like the world's beginning to get going and it's a great time for reflection before we just really go back to our normal busy lives and and finish the year out so this is a time really for a bit of reflection and my guest today can really help you do that. I'm joined by Ben Bidwell. He's known as the Naked Professor. If you follow him on Instagram, um, he's a life coach, a writer, and a speaker who aims to inspire his audience to become their most authentic selves and achieve their deepest potential. And this is a very open conversation between Ben and myself. We dive into what masculinity really means and why it feels as though masculinity is under fire a bit at the moment. And many men, I think, are lost at who they really should be and who they're meant to be. As Ben explains in this episode, men are kind of um, needing to be strong and courageous and kind of forthcoming, but then kind and sensitive and and not harass people at the same time. And it can be quite confusing. And it's also difficult sometimes to separate oneself, both for men and women, from what we call ego-led behavior and just that sense of attachment to how things should be. And so in this, we dive into how to find your truth and how to kind of come and live in alignment and come from your heart space. And it's a really open conversation between the two of us. We both share a lot and I think you're going to really enjoy it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So definitely message me. I love it when you guys do this and you get in touch and tell me about how you're enjoying an episode or even tag me if you're listening to it. Tag me on my Instagram. It's Angela S. Foster if you're not already following me. So tag me, let me know. I really, really enjoy that feedback. Um, But I think you're really going to enjoy this episode today and everything that we go into. We talk about how to access a flow state and things that you can do and how to find that creativity within you. And if you are in a dark place at the moment or you're finding things difficult, then I think Ben's story will resonate with you as well. And we do talk about how to find the light. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. And so without further ado, let me introduce you now to Ben. Hey, Ben, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Oh, Angela, thank you very much for having me. I um, you, you sent me a, a lovely message and it's honestly just a, a, an honour to sit in a space with you. So thank you for, for reaching well, out you. and having me. Yeah, well, thank you for everything that you do. I mean, your, your posts just inspire me. That's really what made me get in touch with you. Um, let's talk a little bit to kind of introduce you. Most people know you as the Naked Professor. Um, but just to kind of explain to people a bit more your background and where you came from, because I know that you started life in the corporate space, I think. Is that right? 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I, um, I did six years as a charter surveyor. Makes me sound like I kind of <laughs> did six years in prison, doesn't it? <laughs> I did, I did six years as a charter surveyor, um, and it wasn't prison at all. You know, I was very lucky. It was, I, you know, it was, it was great in many ways. I couldn't have asked for much more. But there was always just something inside of me. There was a creative itch. There was something that was kind of saying, "This isn't, this isn't what you're here to do." You know, there's more. I remember looking at other people who are creating things, and just that was. I wanted to create. I wanted to express myself. And um, the crash happened in 2008, 2010. And that was my kind of chance that I was 28 in 2010 and my salary just uh, fallen considerably. And I thought, you know what, I, this, isn't what I, this isn't what I want to do. And now my money is less. Here's my chance to walk away, which might really resonate with people right now because a similar thing might be going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I just quit with no plan at that point. But I just knew I didn't want to be in that space. And I know, I know the longer you get to stay in something, the more you get expertise for it. So it's kind of, you know, the more trapped you become, if you like, because then you have a family to provide for and now this is all you know what to do and you're kind of, you've got a mortgage to pay. It's like, well, this is my life, I guess now. So I just quit. And, um, and since that, that was 10 years ago, I've just been navigating my path. And along the way, I discovered a, a, a coach and I had a, a, um, a challenge, a physical challenge around sex that meant I wanted to work with a coach to, to help me with that. And um, I, I probably wouldn't have done if it wasn't the fact she just showed up in my life, she started working my flatmate and I was like, Oh, hang on a minute. He, he had a rugby injury. And, um, I was like, if she's helping with a rugby injury, maybe I've got an injury. Like, you know, let's, maybe I should talk to this woman. So we did. And, and then from that day onwards, my life just unraveled. I, I, she changed who I was. She changed who I thought and how I operated. And I changed. I remember telling my mum I loved her and that was kind of, one of the early stages to me showing that I, I, I was changing because I never would have done that before, even though I did love her. And, um, and I, in my change, I thought, hang on a minute, if I've changed, I want to help other people change because I was as shut off and as closed minded to this stuff as, as they come. So if I've managed it, I can help anyone. And so I, I qualified to be a coach and then kind of that's been ongoing really yeah, ever since that was from the age of 30. I'm now 38 and yeah, eight years of kind of personal growth and development and, becoming more of like who I really am in my language now, you know, through my twenties, I was never being who I, who I really wanted to be. I was being a, a version of myself that I'd learned to be that kind of fitted in with society. And, um, yeah, I'm much more free and much more liberated now. And, uh, it's interesting cause you kind of very effectively make the point on your, on your website as looking at, at your, some of your work as well. And you say that it is, we all work on, we naturally accept that we must work on our bodies and we must work on things like our nutrition and our exercise. But most people don't tend to work on their minds at all. And uh, it's something that I neglected completely um, to my own detriment, really. And I guess um, I've certainly learned over time that to stay on the kind of straight and narrow, I have to have to do that. Um, what, so, so when you started, just to kind of circle back a bit, when you were working with this coach, where did you begin? Because for somebody who, as you said, wasn't even, I mean, you're so open now in, in the way, and I, I really value your, the content you share, but you know, you were saying there that you were somebody that didn't even tell your mum that you loved her, for example, Hmm. where, where did she start with you to kind of break down that a little bit and explore yourself? Um, well, I mean, the first thing was is that I didn't know that she was going to teach me to be more emotional and more in tune with myself and more vulnerable and all these kind of cliched words that you hear now. And if, if I did, if I thought that was what we, the work we were going to do, 
I never would have done it. You know, I would have said, oh, like interesting, kind of sounds good, but it's not for me because I'm not that kind of person. So I had a clear goal in mind, which was that I wanted to experience more satisfaction in sex. That was my goal. And that was kind of, I was okay with that. Even that was kind of quite manly. It kind of fitted in with who I was. I was like, you know, I want that. Um, so that was my goal. And I just was like, well, I've got to do what I've got to do. So let's just open my eyes and let's see. And we started off with hypnotherapy. And um, that was specifically geared towards me experiencing more sex. And, um, but it just wasn't really, I wasn't really kind of getting that much out of it. Uh, I just kind of felt like, I sort of feel like I'm just going to sleep here and you're talking to me. I don't really, I'm not noticing much. And I'm sure it was impacting me at subconscious level, but it's hard to, you don't necessarily instantly feel it. But what I was noticing is that she would say things around the, the um, hemp therapy that interested me. Where I was like, oh, I've never thought about life that way. Or I've never seen things that way. Now you put it, you know, I, I, yeah, I do kind of have emptiness around this. Or I do. And it was just kind of awareness. And it was education from her that she was just pushing little buttons that resonated with me. And I thought, well, yeah, I, deep down, you know, I do love my mum, And it is pretty wrong that I don't share that with her. And I don't really know what I'm scared of there. And um, I don't really feel kind of as though I am authentically myself. I feel like I am hiding away a little bit. So now you kind of say this stuff. I, I, I do kind of get where you're coming from. I don't know how that's going to help me achieve more in sex, but it's kind of interesting. So let's kind of go with it. And we just, there was more awareness and more awareness and bit by bit, just little things, little pieces of jigsaw started to make a bit more sense, a bit more sense. And I was understanding the world differently. I remember like there were just little, not epiphany moments, but I remember walking to the gym one time. I think this was even after I'd stopped working with the coach. I remember thinking, wow, like I am, I am not all these things that I think I am. They are, all those things are a result of how I grew up as a child and what I perceived. Like I'm thinking, having very low self-worth and then thinking, well, hang on a minute. I think that, but is that just a result of me being the youngest child and just like my voice was always kind of the youngest and almost the least significant. I was achieving them the least. So was that just kind of, was I just reacting to that perception of that environment and I just continued to believe that. But the reality is I'm, I'm, I'm worth and, and like the same as anyone else. Like I don't need to hold on to that. I'm not the youngest child anymore. Well, I am, but I'm not playing that role anymore. Like, do I need to, challenge where all these thoughts that come to my head come from and that was quite a big realization for me it was like oh i understand why i think that way now it's not actually my truth it's not me i'm it's not that i am not good enough it's just that i've learned to think that way from my experiences so i don't maybe i'm going to start challenging those thoughts now maybe i'm not going to buy into them like i did and um and this is the work that i, I try and do really people is trying to let go or show them how to let go of all their their conversation in their head and where that conversation came from, why it's there and, and disassociate themselves with that voice so that they can become a person who's free from all the limiting beliefs that they hear in their heads mm. that talk to them all the time. Cause we believe that those words, we hear them. And if mm. our voice in our head saying, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. We become fearful. We become scared and we think, oh God, I don't want to do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough. Like I can, I can tell I'm not good enough and we can feel that we're not good enough because I'll, feelings come from our thoughts. So I just started to kind of break that natural conditioning that I had from my past and started to interrupt it and say, Hey, I'm not that anymore. I'm, I'm different. So let's discover who I am if I'm not my thoughts. And, uh, that was the journey. 
Wow, it's an exciting journey. So it sounds like from what you're saying, the first step for someone is then to actually understand that they have these limiting beliefs in the first place, right? Because a lot of people maybe don't even realize this. And as you were saying, it's coming from childhood. Um, was that, you, you say that it was originally in relation to kind of sex. Was it showing up for you in terms of unable to show emotion like you couldn't with your mum? Was that was that showing up as you weren't able to kind of show love in, in that intimate relationship or how was it manifesting? Yeah, well, I'd say that the, the manifestation was that the, well, the end product was the sex was like I didn't, I, I wasn't feeling much in sex, you know, I, I just was, it was kind of a process, but I wasn't really in tune. I wasn't really experiencing that much. It was like, you know, I remember using the famous words when, when I was with a ex-girlfriend in, in my twenties and saying like, sometimes it's like going for a run for me, you know, it's hard work. It's like a lot of energy and I don't really enjoy it. Like, it's not like there's a, you know, and, and that, and that's kind of, I, I wasn't feeling anything. And this is where I'm so into emotions because I learned, you can't choose what you feel. You can't go, do you know what? I never feel bad stuff. I'm only going to feel the nice stuff. That's not how emotions work. If you learn to feel and you're in tune with your heart, you're going to feel good things and you're going to feel bad things. You can't just cherry pick. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn to feel. And um, then when you learn to feel, you know, your body will, will react more. You know, it's that, if you think of like, for me, fundamentally, I, I, I struggled to orgasm in sex. It was like there was a, 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 an inability to experience that heightened emotion. So if I buried my emotions from a young age because they caused me pain and I didn't feel them as um, that they were a masculine experience or masculine thing to, to share with people, then you know, I blocked, blocked them out, buried them. Then the, 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 I guess the net result for me is how it showed up was that, okay, if you don't feel anything, this is going to be your experience in sex. You're not going to feel anything in that either. So that's how it works. Um, and, and for everyone, it's different, I think. Mm. You know, it can show up in different ways. That's quite a unique, strange way. But I'm grateful that it showed up that way. You know, I've written letters to my dear de delayed ejaculation and thank you so much for showing up and teaching me that I needed to look within and understand what this was about and you've shown me the way. Um, yeah. And that's, that's hard, particularly as well, isn't it, for a, a guy? Because I know like, you talk about the fact that you mentioned that masculinity is under fire at the moment. What do you what do you kind of mean by that? Because I see two extremes almost. There's the kind of Jocko Willinks of this world that just flash up their watch on Twitter and show it's 4.32 a.m. and he's out of bed already and crushing the day. And and then you've got people who are more in touch with their um with with their masculine side, but also with their emotions still, much more so. And I know like Ray, I'm raising two boys. They're 11 and 13 at the moment. And it's quite interesting seeing their emotions and, and how they sometimes have to be tough. But what do you mean by masculinity kind of being under fire? Well, I think from, from a man's perspective, like we're lost as to who we're meant to be. Mm. Like, there's, you know, there's the whole Me Too movement. And it's like, you want, us to be, you want us to be kind, but then you want us to be manly and you want us to be this, but you also want us to be that. And it's like, I don't know, what, what do you want from me? Who am I meant to be? Like, you want me to be forthcoming and strong and courageous and, and, and you know, show my, show my um, courage by confidently speaking to, an, an, uh, speaking to women and, and showing that I'm interested or all men, you know, and, and being bold in my approach. But then I can't harass you and how does this, and, and there's so much like, well, who am I meant to be? If I'm being kind and I have to just give you space, but then I'm being weak because I'm not brave enough to speak to you. Like there's all these contradictions mm -hmm. as a man, well, what are we meant to be? And um, so I think 
we get lost and we end up just going kind of screw it. I'm just going to be whatever, like I'm meant to be like, and someone's going to moan at me either way. So I might as well just make to like do what feels natural. And, um, I, the, 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 the thing for me is that from my experience, what feels natural I've learned is as a man, particularly is that it's often ego led behavior. Our ego is very loud and prominent and, um, it's something I'm looking into at a deeper level, but I, I, um, I'm sure from a physiological perspective, you know, going back to the caveman era, looking at men and, and their role is that we were the hunter gatherers and we had to be more on high alert. You know, we were the, the security ones that, that provided security to the family setting and we had to be on more high alert. The amygdala was alive. Testosterone levels were, were uh, uh, much higher than, than, than the female. And I think we operate in that space, but, in today's day and age, without being under threat, we take that energy elsewhere and we think the threat is to our to people's perception of us or um, that we might be perceived as a failure or rejected or embarrassed or all these things. I cannot be that because that is not masculine. I have to be seen strong and always together and I've got this. So we take that energy and it becomes unhealthy mm. because we cannot ever admit that we're wrong. Um, we don't know how we block out emotions because emotions can be seen as weak and without emotions we lack connection and without connection we go chasing instant gratification which often is unhealthy and there's this whole knock-on all these things that just spring from fundamentally just being too attached to our ego that lead to just so many negative ways of living and um, i experience them and i know that they look like they're ticking boxes but inside of me and inside of the individual you there's a sense of like something's missing. I don't feel fully alive here. And that for me is because we buried our heart. When, you're alive, when your ego is really alive and you're really in tune with it, you, you, you bury your heart and you disconnect from your emotions, you disconnect from your truth inside of you. You be who you should be rather than actually who you really are. So my journey has been like to rediscover my truth, get, like learn to, 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 to work with my ego, learn to operate um, in a different space that is more of my truth and find like a healthy balance so that when I really am under threat and my ego is going, Ben, Ben, look out, look out. I'm able to acknowledge, Oh, this actually is like in today's day and age, you know, I, I really do need to earn some money here because I was, I'm going to be homeless. You know, that's a fair threat, but it's not, Oh my God, like Ben, don't dance like that because that's really embarrassing. And people are going to think you're a right loser. That's not a threat to my security or you just failed or you got rejected. That's not a threat to my security. So mm -hmm. I don't want to live in those spaces and I don't want to live in those fears. They hold me back. Um, there's so many, all this, so much of it is in, like interlinked and there's so many knock-on effects. For me, it's just been about scrambling through what, what my ego tries to make me be, which is tick all the boxes and what my heart is, which is actually my real truth, which is love and being able to share love and connect deeply with other human beings. So, um, yeah, I could get lost. I could get lost in this and go off on one, but I don't know <laughs> so if that makes sense. It does make sense. It's like, is it the ego itself is always going to look for validation as well, right? So yeah. the ego wants people, as you say, like, don't dance like that. You'll look stupid. Actually, the, the ego looks for validation. Oh, no, you're a good dancer. You look like this. You're doing things right all of the time. Yeah. Whereas when you're in your heart space, you're more centered and it's more about what you can what's in alignment with you, I believe, and then what you can give out to the world as well and share that. And it's kind of like, if people don't like it, it's not a threat, that's their choice, right? But you will align with people who do. And I know you talk a bit about getting into your heart space, which I want to talk to you about, and also how that 
simple changes in one area then lead to changes in other areas and how the kind of the the law of attraction and the universal energy interplays with that so and obviously presume you know well, the ego is there to protect you and also to see you succeed whereas it feels like actually this is um a much an alternative and more aligned route to getting what you want and maybe even more than what you want um but in the most kind of way that aligns with your own personal values would that be fair yeah totally and i think aligned alignment and that being aligned is is what it's all about like our ego isn't aligned it's security and you said success but it's it's got its own perception of success and that is fundamentally safety and you're totally right for some people the ego is um you know to be the best that's like to go and show off because everyone when you're showing off you're validated but for someone else who struggled with judgment growing up their ego is saying do not show up because i do not want you to be judged i don't feel safe so like it's just as an egotistical behavior to hide yourself away as it is to to be needing to be center of attention it's just that society's lost that understanding but it's the same thing it's coming from the same place um but yeah our heart is just our truth and our heart isn't after validation or hiding away it just knows who we are and our energy and it wants us to express ourselves and that includes our emotions and and what we actually really the energy inside of us that we really are when we're not needing validation and we're not trying to avoid rejection um or failure or embarrassment it's just our truth it's who we are behind closed doors i know for a really clear example i love to use is that if i'm in my kitchen and a song comes on and i like it then i just you know i find myself kind of bopping away you know like just naturally someone walks around the corner and sees me and then i would see them and i'd suddenly my ego kick in i'd go oh my god embarrassing like ben what are you doing <laughs> and i would stop and i would freeze yeah. and i'm blocking out my heart's truth in that instant my heart's truth is just wanting to move my ego is going, oh, security alert, this could be embarrassing. They're, they're going to judge you now. And I just stop. And now I've just, I've just stopped expressing myself. I've just stopped being me because I'm, I'm fearful in that space. So I want to be you know, free to dance in the kitchen whether someone's watching me or not because that's my truth. Mm-hmm. And that's where, how I try and live. It's like I'm showing up because this is my truth. And you might think I'm a great dancer or a terrible dancer, but it's just me. And I'm free to express myself. You know, we crave freedom yeah. as human beings, but expressing yourself is such a key part of being free. And that must presumably as well create more self-love at the same time because you're it's, more at one with yourself. Like it's the, it's the foundation of self-love. Like mm. being aligned is when you love yourself. If you're not aligned, you're going to struggle to love. You might love yourself from an egotistical perspective at times where you're like, oh, everyone's loving me at the moment. But it doesn't mm. mean you feel it inside. You can just, you can see it and it's rational and it makes sense from what you hear from the feedback. But if you're not aligned with your values, your heart, your truth, your deepest values, that's, that's, that's where self-love comes from. You can, this you can is scary though, isn't it? For a lot of people, right? Some people I think listening might be a bit scared to go there because the ego, as you say, is, is protecting. It's kind of like your armor, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I remember when as a corporate lawyer, when I go into a meeting, it was really important that my makeup was done before I walked in for no reason other than the fact it was just armor. And I used to say to myself, I just need to put my armor on because it would be just that barrier between me and them. And obviously it wasn't in alignment with my values being a corporate lawyer anyway. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I just think people, you know, women included, maybe just scared to go there because as soon as you start going within, you, you're going into a rabbit hole of what you might open up. What would you say, like, to people? What's 
what's the best way to get started with it and to be gentle with yourself at the same time? As you're totally right. It's, it's, the, it's the hardest journey you go on. You know, your, your, your ego is in its, in its quest for security. It's incredibly stubborn and it doesn't want to change and it wants you to stay as you are. You know, Tony Robbins always says change only happens when the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change. Mm. And that's kind of it. That's why most people reach rock bottom because like we well, might want to be different, but actually everything's okay now. We live in this kind of safe box where we're earning good money and we've got a nice house and we family and we kind of, everything's okay and it's safe. But inside, if we're not connected to it, there's always a sense of emptiness. There's always something missing. There's an itch that we can't scratch. We don't know why. And, um, I totally get it. I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's, you know, you're opening the, 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 I mean, all sorts of things can, can come out, you know, perhaps there's childhood traumas that you've buried that you don't even know that are there. Perhaps there's, you know, a, a, a um, an awakening to the fact that some relationships that you're in don't serve you in the way that you really need. And you have to suddenly deal with these things. Um, it's hard. So, yeah, it's important that you, you have people that you can trust and that you do, you can relate to, you can sit in a safe space with to, 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 to lean on um, as you go through the journey. You know, that's why I, I wouldn't have done it without a coach, I don't think. Um, taking it steady, you know, bit by bit, this is not a transformational kind of, I'm going to read this book and I'm changed. I'm going to go on a couple of days retreats and I'm changed. This is a journey that is never ending once you start it and bit by bit, you're going to reopen your truth and, and reconnect with your heart um having said that like you know so for me that the, the the path is you know working one-to-one -one with a coach is, is a great really positive experience um uh then like someone who resonates with you you know mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to this if there was one route and then there'd be one book that we could all just read and we're yeah. all fixed but everyone's different so you need to communicate with someone who, re who you resonate with and then um like I, I found a huge part of the journey for me was was going on like retreats or going out of my comfort zone and doing experiences where um because i never knew what connection was in my 20 i buried emotions so much that i never felt connection really so um so i went on experiences where suddenly i experienced connection because people who I initially judged, I looked at and thought, not my cup of tea, you know, what are they wearing or mm. why is he like that? Or what's she doing? You know, kind of who am I going to speak to these next few days? So suddenly over like day one, day two, day three, suddenly they're standing in front of me sharing these really deep, honest truths about their journey. And suddenly I, I see their heart in my language and I see beneath the surface, I see beneath what they're wearing and I feel them. I'm like, wow, you, I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care if we don't have the same passions. Like, I have so much respect and, and dare I say it, love. Like I feel connected to you because you've just shown me your heart. You've just, I've just started to understand you now. I get why you are how you are. I, like, and I'm sorry I ever judged you. I feel almost under the shade. I saw that and I, I remember sort of having those experiences and then coming back to normal life and thinking, I don't have that with my friends. Like I really miss what I just experienced with those people who I'd never even knew like in my real life with my family, like I need to, I, I, that was an addictive feeling. Like it was so powerful. Like suddenly I was feeling alive on the inside. It's like I need that. I want that in my life. So then I knew that I had to start unraveling and standing on stage and standing in front of people and sharing my truths and being like, Hey, I, I've seen you and I know what it gave me. Now I, I want to let you see me. And um, we can both experience this. And so that's what I started to do. 
um, show up for myself, show my truth and allow myself to be seen and allow myself to experience connection. And lead and, us. Um, it's interesting because i I was at an event actually i think it was a mind valley event not long ago just shortly before lockdown and there was an exercise where we had to just stare into that person's eyes and at first it feels deeply uncomfortable because you like this person's looking at me and i'm looking at them and you want to walk away and that that's must be the ego right and then and then as you continue to do it suddenly you almost can sense their own energy their physicality their kind of heart space, as you say. And I just saw beauty in that, in that person. And it was for me the most transformational thing I've ever experienced because it wasn't about what they looked like anymore. Suddenly I seemed somehow, and obviously it wasn't even seeing with my eyes, but I saw somehow into their soul. And I realized that deep within any, any kind of view that I had of that person before just fell away. It was like peeling away layers of an onion. They were gone. And this person was just naked would be the wrong word. Cause I still think that's a construct that's still in the body, isn't it? It was just them, And I could experience them. And that, that I have to say was a very transformational moment. I must say. Mm. You um, saw that soul. Mm, yeah. yeah. And it was, yeah. yeah, it was powerful. That's mm. where connection lives. Like, and, and we live in a society where we rarely see people's soul. We just see their, their, their ego keeping them safe and living within kind of the constructs of how we're meant to live. And, you know, you don't, when someone tells you about the news or gossip or talks to you about kind of just stuff and not about what's going on with them, you're never really going to connect deeply with them. You might, you might laugh with them and you might be interested in the same topic and you can talk about it, but you're not going beneath the surface. You're not experiencing what you experience in the eye gazing where you suddenly like, oh, wow, like... I see beneath you now. I see inside of you. And it's beautiful. We're mm. all beautiful, every one of us. As we've yeah, all got really like our hearts. Yeah. It's um that's that's it. That's that's you've got it. Like this is where what it's about. And how do you kind of, I guess, for, for people listening, right? They, this is difficult at the moment because obviously we're coming out of lockdown, but we're still not allowed. We so, I mean, this makes it very hard, doesn't it? They're socially distancing because I feel like many of us have lost connection. You know, a friend came over the other day and gave me a hug and that was just amazing. It was like human contact. <laughs> we're probably not even meant to do it, but hey, who the hell cares? Because actually I think we're giving up an awful lot here by staying apart. Um, and yeah, just, you know, I've had that with a few friends. I think we forget how tactile we are as human beings. Um, but for people like just going back to themselves, they need to kind of deconstruct themselves first in a way, don't they? Because you almost need to, I know that when I was depressed, for example, it was definite self-loathing at that point. You know, thought, the thoughts of suicide that I was repeatedly having was simply to turn off my mind. I just wanted to shut it off. It was, it was driving me crazy. I'd never looked into managing my mind until I experienced that period of clinical depression. And then I just wanted to turn it off. But I think there was also um, a sense in me that actually my children would be better off without me. 
you know, I didn't deserve them. It would be better if I was gone because they were just these beautiful beings that I was completely in love with and, and somehow their life would be better. And it wasn't until I was hospitalized and was actually fighting for my life. And, you know, you're, at the end of the day, when you're faced with your life finishing, there is only you, isn't there at the end? And mm. that was magical for me, a bit like you were saying, you were grateful for that sexual experience. I'm eternally grateful for that day because that was the day that I realized actually I'm okay being me. But that's a pretty dramatic event to have to happen. I wouldn't want that to happen frequently. How can people get into that space without, you know, you said Tony Robbins says, and it's true that you have to kind of hit rock bottom. Is there a way of working on yourself before then and, and going inside? Yeah. Well, you don't have to reach rock bottom. It just tends to be that that's when it does happen for most people because it is hard. Like it, it is deconstructing yourself. It's just saying is, is it goes against everything our ego wants. Mm. And our ego is strong. You know, you talk about that voice that you heard in your head. It's, it affects us. It, make, it leads how we feel. It impacts how we behave. Like it, it's, it's a massively powerful machine. Like I, I see it as like a computer in our head that is programming everything else, really. Like so much of what we go through. And um, like the last thing it wants to do, because we are safe in that space, is change like change is a threat we don't know there's risk there's uncertainty well what are you going to become is everyone going to reject you are you going to fail mm. at, at this change like i know you're still alive right now and obviously one of the, the, the hypocritical facts to all this is that you know it can lead us to suicide you mm. know the, the one thing that we're trying to avoid um but um yeah it's it's we can we can anyone can do this work at any point if they choose to They've got to make it a priority and they've got to be willing to go through pain and, and challenge. And, and a bit like a lot of us have had to with, with the whole Black Lives Matter situation, we've had to reassess kind of how everything looks and it's not necessarily easy work. And we don't want to understand that we've perhaps been privileged or we've got it, you know, we've, got, we've, we've been naive to our understanding of it or we've lived in a system that's favoured us and all this. We'd rather not go there. Like we'd rather just push it away. It's kind of, it can be uncomfortable. But if we are, if we do, um, if we're willing, we're brave enough, and everyone has a, has some traumas inside of them. Trauma is a kind of over, over like overthought word in that we think it's traumatic, like it's deeply, like it's you can have trauma from just you know experiencing rejection, you know, from getting dumped by your by a girlfriend or boyfriend at a young age. You know, we can, that can be pretty traumatic. Your whole world can fall apart. Everyone, people are teasing you. You're like you don't feel good enough. Like, wow, I'm never, I had that, you know, I'm like, I'm never going to get rejected again. I'm not doing that. That, that was painful. And I feel like demasculinated and all of this kind of stuff. Mm. And um, except that we've all got trauma inside of us. None of us are perfect. None of us are ever going to be perfect. And that it's just a beautiful journey to go on and rediscovering yourself, becoming more of who you really want to be. You know, a, 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 a bodybuilder or, or, you know, someone who runs a marathon can always, they can always get, bigger they can always get do more work in the gym if that's their goal uh, someone running a marathon can always get fitter or run faster they don't just stop and go oh, i can already run a reasonable marathon i'm just gonna stop this like oh no i, I want to keep trying to improve here and that everyone is still capable of improving there's no one who's completed this no it's, so, it's, a, it's a constant journey isn't it it's part of a lifestyle really yeah yeah right. and when you start you don't stop no no you don't that's true yeah. that's true i've noticed that um, yeah. what, what do you do in terms of, you've mentioned obviously working with a coach like yourself, which I think is 
absolutely key, particularly as, you know, things can come up as well that you need, that you need to deal with and you need help with. But in terms of um, kind of daily practices, I've seen you have your weekly check-in with Mr. Duck generally. T- tell me about Mr. Duck and the significance of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm writing a book and I knew that I had to, my social engagement had to, had to grow. You know, being totally honest here with you, that the publishers were like, keep growing your socials. You know, it's really important, that avenue. So I looked at strategies of how I, what more things I could share, how I could you know, get more out there and be more productive on social channels. And one of the things that came up with was that, listen, I talk about emotions. Well, listen, embody it. Show, share your emotions. Share how you feel every Friday. Have a check-in. Um, share what's been going on inside of you. And there's loads of reasons for that because I think it's healthy to express your emotions. I think it's good for me to have a check-in with myself, to connect with how I feel myself. Um, but then I kind of thought, well, I'm doing this every Friday. I, need to, I want to kind of bring something alive around it. Like how can I make it, you know, be clear that this is a, a weekly thing. And I just thought, well, do you know what? What I'm doing here is talking about my emotions, which is in theory not a very manly thing to do. And then um, I thought, well, well one of the, the things that, one of the things that stood out for me, I don't know, I don't know if, it was, if you remember this as well, but in my era growing up in the 80s, I remember this poster in, in the Athena shops. Oh, of the this, man with the baby. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was this kind of contrasting, this kind of, this, this manly man holding this cute little baby and it just was really beautiful. And I just mm. thought, I want to show all of who I am and I want to represent still a manly man, but have this cute little teddy that shows that i'm in touch with that side too which is all part of what i'm trying to do emotions like express all of who i am so i kind of thought it could that represent you know part of my journey and that you know this this is me tapping into my to my feminine my 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 emotions and just use it as a bit of a signal a bit of a tool to like hey it's friday check-in time and um mr duck is here and um yeah it just i don't know i just thought let's just play and i remember even like i've got an agent and my agent was like uh why are you posting these pictures with this with this teddy <laughs> my friends were like what are you doing and i was just like i don't really know but it just kind of feels right and let's just do it and now everyone's really on board with it and they you know yeah. it's like it's really great little concept and the hard part is getting a, a photo with, with teddy each week is it, <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah yeah, yeah. it's I think it's uh, uh, it, I think it's worked really really well to be honest. What do you um, what do you do in terms of like you were saying you have to constantly you know it's a journey you've got to work on yourself constantly. What does it look like for you in terms of your day? Are there specific times that we haven't really delved into? I've seen posts about journaling things like that. But what about what practices specifically do you use? Is it is there meditation, mindfulness? What what can you kind of share in that regard? Yeah, I, I guess like everything started for me with awareness because with awareness, I can practice everything all the time, really, um, because I've got the knowledge and the understanding and I can catch myself and I can correct myself. So I'm continually embodying what I want to be. I have a few key phrases, like I, I wrote like a Bible out for myself in terms of who I want to be and like key phrases that I want to embody that I would always return to. So things like don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now. So like don't don't give away kind of my heart's deepest values for instant gratification in this moment because so often the two conflict. It's like, no, like be true to who you are. It's a harder path, but it's the one that will bring self-love, alignment. Mm, so phrases like that constantly reminding. So when I'm behaving, it's like, well, hang on a minute, am I doing this because I want it now or am I doing it because I want it most? Um, 
I always hold in mind that your wound is not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. So I don't blame myself for, 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 for like the, the challenges that I have. I look at why and, and acknowledge that there is a, a, a how to move on from them. But it's and not blame myself because shame is at the root of so many of the mm. challenges we have. So if I'm not blaming myself, your, 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 your wound is not your fault. No shame then, okay. Um, so is it almost like then it's a lesson to teach you? What can you learn from it? It's like at the forefront of my mind. You know, I wrote out this Bible that of these key strategies that I wanted to be, I wanted to embody. And all the time I would look to try and catch myself. No, Ben, you're, you're, you're shaming yourself here, but actually this behavior of feeling rejected, that's hurting, that's coming from your childhood. Your, this wound is not yours to carry now. Like you don't need to, but your healing is your responsibility. Okay, well, how am I going to move on from this then? Or stop beating yourself up in the first place because it's not your fault. Let go of it and let's just return, like, to return to the present. Is always that you know. You talked about the, the conversation in your head. We all have this negative voice in our head, but when we're present and we're truly in flow, that voice isn't talking to us. So, like meditation, we're getting to now, like teaching yourself to to be present where your voice isn't. You're not being dictated to by the voice chattering away in your head. You're just being here and now without stories telling you how to behave. This is just me. Um, and that's been a massive one. I spent four days in, in some Spanish mountains with some monks and they, the guy told me about how the key part of, of, of his sort of journey was that every morning he had five seconds of peace before his mind kicked in. So as soon as you woke up, you kind of have this blissful moment of, right, here we go. And then suddenly your mind kicks in. It's like, oh, you got this. And you're like, oh, no, this is God. You know, everything's kicking off now. And he's like, I want more of that, that five seconds. So that was his journey into becoming a monk, was learning more of that. But we are naturally at peace. Like if we're not thinking, we are at peace. So returning to the present. Um, I've, I've, a big thing that I do now is, is, um, is like talking to myself, like connecting with, with my, I actually have a conversation with my heart and ask my heart what it needs. Like, well, I'm, I'm listening. Like, what do you need from me today? How am I showing up? Like I'm, I'm listening to you letting know that we are now a team. This is not, I'm not operating from my ego anymore. My ego is listening to my heart and we're going to connect and combine and, and stay safe, but, but we're not going to override a lot of the fear. So what is my heart saying? And to listen to my heart, um, I try and listen to what I know rather than what I'm thinking. So what's, what do I really know inside of me? What, what do I know to be, to be my truth? Not stories and thinking and thoughts that go on in my head. What is deep inside of me, like underneath that, from a deeper place? What do I know? Like what is my intuition saying? What's real inside of me? And I want to hear more of that because that's, that's not impacted by, it's not directly impacted by all these thoughts that are going on in my head right now. Mm. It's a different thing. It's a different energy. So try and have a conversation with that and listen and tune into that. What's that saying? What does that want from me? What do I need to give that? Sometimes it just sort of says, Ben, you need to switch off. Like, give me some rest. I'm tired. Sometimes it says like, Ben, keep showing up. We're on track here. I keep doing this. Like, keep showing up without fear. Like, I'm loving this. I feel alive. We've got this. Sometimes it's quite hard because all sorts of things come up. Um, every day and they just authentically come to me do you write just, them down i don't know i just i talk to them in the moment i go like i hear you you're, you're like you're telling me that i need to let go of this fear of whatever it might be right now i, I hear you and i'm not going to hold on to that fear anymore you know that, that that's not serving me and thank you for reminding me i'm hearing you 
and I'm, I'm going to take that with me today. And I have that conversation in the, uh, every morning. It's a process after I come out of the shower, which is quite extreme, you know. Um, and I remember the first time I worked with a coach and she said, Ben, I think you should do some more self-talk in the mirror and talk to yourself more. And I remember saying to her, like, I'm sure self-talk is, is one of the first signs of madness, isn't it? Like talking to yourself in the mirror is kind of, <laughs> that was my, that's what I thought it was. You're actively telling me to do this? I do yeah, that exactly. already anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But now I'm like, right, let's have a chat. Like, check into my heart. Sometimes I do a little dance with it. I'm just like, what are we feeling? Like, what do we need to do? Is it more self-expression? Like, is it, what are we, where are we at? What do we need to do? Is it rest? Is it play? Is it? A lot of the time it says, play, stop taking this so seriously, Ben. Like, just like, let's enjoy this, you know, but enjoy it from my heart, not enjoy it from my ego. Don't go chasing gratification. but play, yeah. relax, like, you know, be, express yourself. It doesn't matter if people don't get it, just show up, you know. Well, it's interesting because when you're talking about your Bible, of what you wrote, at no point did you say a lot of people, when they think about writing down kind of their values or what they want, it's actually still based around ego-driven things, isn't it? I want to have lived this life. I am the type of person that does this, or I drive this. It's still so identity-based, whereas you've got that identity that's based around how you want to perceive things. That's, that's just very, very powerful in itself because that, I guess, just guides you. That's your truth. Whenever you're faced with a decision, you can come back to it. Yeah, and that's it. That's that's my work, and that's my life. It's connecting with that truth, because that's that's if I can live by that truth, then I'll feel aligned, and I'll feel at one, and I'll feel at peace, and I'll be powerful, and I'll be authentic, and I'll get connection, and I'll love, and I won't be fearful. Like that's if I can tune into that. So that's the pretty good thing for me to tune into. Um, and of course, like. Also, I think it's important that this is, you know, there are times when instant gratification is like a lovely thing and I'm not saying I never, you know, I still enjoy a party sometimes. I still enjoy some ice cream or some, you know, some things that do give me quick fixes that aren't necessarily in tune with my heart. But the way I think society teaches us is that go consume, consume, consume. Like that's the first port of call and it doesn't teach us to go within. So I'm just trying to flip that and say I'm going within first and foremost and when I'm complete within or, or feeling good within, then I can add in some bits of instant gratification, but I'm not reliant on them anymore. They don't, they're not what I need to be happy. They're just an add-on to what I'm already experiencing. Mm. And that's the change. It's, it's funny because when you say you do it like first thing in the morning or that even those, the monk was saying those first four to five seconds, what I found is when I wake up, like if I can catch that, and stick headphones in and do a meditation. I'm a big fan of like Joe Dispenza's work and go straight in with a the meditation there before my mind starts doing its whole thinking thing of like what I've got on that day or what's going to go well, what's going to go badly. It's really powerful, isn't it? To just access that kind of alpha brainwave state and you can really kind of deeply get in and then things show up. You just kind of know, I think when you've kind of got in touch, this is going to sound really woo-woo, but when you've kind of connected with the universe in that way, it's like that divine intervention because things happen often in that same day that you really couldn't have predicted, I find. Yeah, that's flow, isn't it? Mm. It's kind of, you just, you're not trying to force things. You're just showing up and with a space of freedom and uh, like truth and things come into your life in that way. Beautiful things. And um, 
yeah, it's weird. It's weird how it works, but I, I, we're talking about the law of attraction now. Like it's what you invite. And I think when you come from love, you invite, which is what you're talking about for me, because we are love. Like when we remove our voice, <laughs> then we invite pretty cool stuff in. When we come from fear and our ego, then it's pretty forced and it's pretty rational and it's pretty calculated and ticks a lot of boxes. But how does it feel? How does mm. it actually feel? And that's, we miss that bit. We don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't fulfill us in a deep place. It just ticks a little box in our head. So yeah, tick, 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 tick. Yeah, it's not fulfilling. No. And I guess as a, there's a quote, I think it was Gabby Bernstein that said, today I will judge nothing that occurs. Hmm. And I just think that's so powerful because when you do that and you just try it for 24 hours, you can't judge anything that you see. You can't judge anything that's happening, but most of all, you're not allowed to judge yourself. Yeah. And and then you catch those. That's like, for me, a real thought catcher because suddenly you're like, shit, damn, I was judging again. Like, <laughs> how does that happen so many yeah. times? But that is the ego at work, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And that like the opposite, well, what, what Gabby Bernstein is saying is just be, just be, mm. just be. You know, that, that, that when we remove all that, when we stop all the judgments and everything else, then we just be. And when we just be, then we're just in flow. And life just, just, goes in the direction that it's meant to go and it's yeah. a lighter you know you see so, so many people so tired and so heavy and sort of dragging around so much stuff because they're constantly trying to work it out and get control and certainty that their ego requires and it's like what if you just let go of all that and what if you just be and that's obviously scary for our ego well no i need certainty but it's so much lighter and seamless and we can give so much more to life we can come we can connect we can love we can be on purpose we can be in flow and we're light mm. and it's, um, we're not scared anymore. There's nothing mm. to fear. And I always think when people ask what that looks like, the best example I can ever give, I think is for me anyway, that to visualize it is just watch Roger Federer play tennis. Mm -hmm. He kind of dances on court mm. and there's no like, anxiety in his face or stress or anger am I going to get that ball it's just so light and effortless isn't it and there's the timing's perfect there's more time than you think between the ball coming even though it's going at over 100 miles an hour mm. um, I always just think that's if, if anyone's looking for like a visual representation of flow to me that's the one I always go back to yeah, I hear you. And, and I really want to add to one thing to that as well. Like just uh, with that, I'd say um, like at the end of the game, I think it's quite hard to tell with Roger, with Roger Federer. I'm not a massive tennis fan, so I wouldn't be absolutely sure on this, but I think it would be fair to say that you can't often tell whether he's won or lost. He'll almost look the same. Mm. He's just, I just showed up. I just did my thing and yeah. I, I, I won and that's great and that's beautiful, but I lost and that's okay. I showed up and I did my thing and what can I do? And he's so gracious in his defeat, so humble in his victories, you know, mm. because there's no ego attached around it. Like he just shows up and gives himself and he's in flow without fear. And yeah. it's, it's beautiful. There's no angst, is there? There's just, there no. isn't that angst that you see. And if you take the result out of it, what, what, would there, what is there to be angst about? It's mm. like, oh, I'm just, I'm playing. You know, yeah. and I'm, I'm playing my best and I'm just, I'm free. I, I see it almost like a stream, you know, like a down water, like water is very flowy, isn't it? And it's, you know, you put a rock around it and it just flows around the rock and it just carries on on its yes. way. And it's, 
you know, it stops crashing into it and stopping and trying to go, what the hell is this? I need to find it just naturally just flows around it and carries on its way. Um, yeah, and it's so like, true. but it's flow, isn't it? You, the, the word says so much. What a, what a Roger Federer is very flowing in his tennis. It's very seamless and easy and light. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And do you use any kind of, cause I know you, I mean, you're physically given that you, um, you have your clothes off half the time on your post. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. It's good to see you dressed today. I was half expecting you to turn up with your shirt off, but um, you're obviously like into fitness physically. Do you use exercise or your body or movement to access that flow state at all? Yeah. You do? Def- definitely. Yeah. Like I write, there's times when I could be trying to write something for hours and I'm forcing it out and you're trying to work it out. You know, I'm caught in my head and I'm trying to uh, like grind it. I go to the gym and then like, you know, I'm halfway through and suddenly I just write, it just flows. Like I've just created space. I've just emptied my, all the thoughts and the clarity because you're very present when you exercise, right? You're mm. very, you're, you're there. It's a great, it's a form of meditation in some respect in that way. Suddenly you, you create space and you're very creative. I'm very creative anyway. And I just suddenly write and I come up with all sorts of things through exercise. And, um, while yeah. you're exercising, yeah. mean, you get lots of like BDNF and other things, don't you release while, and then you get the endorphins. There's so many benefits for me. I agree. If I'm really struggling with a piece of work, the best thing I can do is to go and exercise. Yeah. Um, what's your preferred? Of- is it like, um, weight training or do you do like cardio work as well? Do you run or? No, I don't like, I don't like running or like for all the things I've just said, I'm very bad at, kind of endurance like you know i like i like right we're going to do this quickly and we're going to get it done and then we can rest and then we're going to do this quickly so i um i um yeah it's weight training for me and um that's partly because i've got used to it and my my, my battle i guess growing up as a as a man or a boy my battle within myself was always that i was very skinny and it wasn't very masculine so i started off on the kind of weight trend to bug myself up that was my journey and I guess always it's been a case of me wanting to retain weight rather than kind of do the CV stuff that, you know, you're burning calories. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and that's just, yeah, it's been my thing. Yeah. yeah and that helps. So yeah. before you go, cause you've shared so much, um, what about kind of, we've talked about a lot of the things you do in the, in the day and how you get into that flow state. What about the end of the day? Is there kind of a way that you bookend or finish your day to finish it in that flow state? Do you know what? There isn't really, um, and maybe there should be, but I, uh, I like, I love music. Like my, my favorite evenings, but I caught myself last night, last night, I, I don't watch much TV, but I just had the TV on last night and I was just passing time. And I was kind of thinking, I really just need to just switch off and relax tonight. It's really nice to have this free evening. I'm going to do that. I put the TV on and I was kind of searching for something to watch. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm just wasting time here. I'm just doing it because it's easy. And mm-hmm. I can just, it's, it's like, so I switched the TV off and I, and I put music on and I listened to the music. And for me, music does so much more for me internally. And, um, and I just use music. And that was a far nicer experience for me to sit in that space. And um, I love, I do love music and, and music before bed. I've got like some playlists that I use before bed that are very soft, calming and soft and I do some red light therapy sometimes before bed. Um, but generally there isn't really, like I like to get to bed early. Um, and I'm, an, I'm an early to bed. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's nice. I love it. I love it. I do. <laughs> <laughs> 
getting to bed and say 10 o'clock I'm like yes that's amazing I'm that person at a party or a dinner party that if it gets past 11 I'm just like this is going on too long now <laughs> yes yeah, I'm the same I'm the same I don't know how you make it to 11 um <laughs> tends your cut off is it no, I, I I like between 10 and 11 it's like and whether that's Friday or Saturday night or a Monday evening like you know mm. I, I I don't really get I don't want to waste my time by just sitting around aimlessly. Mm, I agree. Um, Do you get out maybe, in the early morning sun? You were mentioning like, I love red light therapy, but like now, you know, we've got those beautiful, really early mornings. One of the, my favorite things is not super early, but I generally go and walk my dogs. My husband and I go and walk the dogs oh, at kind of six in the morning. And mm. it's just stunning because no one's out and it, you know, we've got woodland and stuff nearby. And it's just, even just that gets me into flow watching my yeah. Labrador chase rabbits and just oh. what the, just nature just is just, yes. it's just fascinating. It's so peaceful. Yes, I'm with you 100%. Just that. that I, if I had dogs and I was in nature, then I would. But it's like I'm, I'm in busy, busy part of town busy, and I walk yeah. out and it's like, whoa, there's yeah. an ambulance and there's this. It's like, so my, my morning routine is actually at home. But I would, I would, I hope one day to have engineered the, the type of life where I've got my partner and we can wake up and go for a walk with, with the dogs. I'd love that for yeah. sure. It's beautiful. It's funny. It's a really like magical thing on the days we don't do it you know, the odd mm. occasion, then we're like, God, I've really missed that. Really yeah. missed it. Apart from the fact the dogs are coming and like, when are we going? When are we going? <laughs> <laughs> Which on top of three kids is always quite a challenge, but oh, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> but time with your husband as well. What a lovely, mm. you know, to start that day, to start the day together, you know, where you, you are at it's one. Really nice. Nature. We realised actually with kids that as they get older, you lose your evening. So when they're little, you can put them to bed. And then you've got that time together. And then as they get older, you're kind of trying to find that time. And for us, it's kind of six o'clock in the morning. But it, as yeah. you say, it's really nice. And we just have the best chats. Mm. Um, yeah. So when I kind of come up with most of my ideas and things, yeah, it's amazing. It's a nice time of day. Mm, that's so nice. Do you mind if I ask, um, has, your, has your husband always been quite tuned into this stuff? Or has he found you going on your journey? Yeah. So he initially wasn't at all at all i mean music is when you were talking there about music what's really interesting is he's always listened to a lot of music and i know that that's kind of his connection he was an only child growing up he had no siblings he felt kind of quite disconnected in many respects and music was his thing but then he had to go right if one of you goes through depression um then the other person goes on a journey with you and i have to say i'm so lucky because he has embrace that journey and I think his ego used to get in the way and he was very very masculine and now he's really like come on this journey with me and mm. just got into so he's so disciplined now with things like meditation um, as, as a daily practice and just mm. being mindful and present and yeah it's kind of infiltrated the whole family now right through to even kind of our you know at dinner time we'll all eat together and we do our gratitude in the evening what are we grateful for who can we think of or pray for today? You know, it's, it has like come through the whole family. It's, it's been, yeah, as, as I say, I'm grateful for the experience because actually it's provided so much richness in my life. Mm, yeah. Isn't that beautiful? It's amazing. Yeah, it's lovely to hear. Because yeah. it can't, it's not always easy for the partner, you know, she's changing. No, no um, you're right. And I think when you're going through it, it isn't easy. And I think the biggest thing he was always nervous because I was on kind of pretty strong bipolar medication and was told that I should be on that for life. He was nervous of me coming off that. And it's taken a lot of work. 
Mm. Um, so there, there are still days, you know, I'm not going to lie. I can't romanticize it. There are still days where I have to kind of remind myself to put one foot in front of the other and, and why should I get out of bed today? But I, you know, it doesn't take me two or three hours. <laughs> it might take five minutes to reset myself and kind of reaffirm where I am. Um, so yeah, I think it's, but it, I, th- I think once you've been through it, I don't know about you. I just think it's, it's something that's always going to be there, but I don't see it as, you know, it used to be a big, heavy bit of luggage I used to have to carry around and I don't carry it anymore. It's kind of just there. I'm aware of the shadow, but then there's always light and shade. And I guess I just have to choose the light each time, maybe more consciously than, yeah. than I thought before, but yeah, it's, yeah. Um, Cause yeah. we're not, we're not necessarily set up to choose light. You know, society doesn't necessarily teach us that. And we have to consciously say, Hey, like, no, mm. this is, this is a better way for me. And it doesn't feel easy right now, but I'm going to do it. And I, I do think this is something we miss in society. It's this, it's hard. It's this, it requires discipline, but for the greater good. I always, I love the quote, make um, easy choices and live a hard life and make hard choices, live an easy life. And yes. like you just sort of said, sometimes you want to make that hard choice to, to choose light. And it's easier just to go screw it, you know, today. But that's not the life that we want to live. And that's, that's yeah. part of it. Yeah, it's very true. And I think, like, I think I read this the other day, actually, because it really resonated with me about how you can't shut the darkness out. You can only let the light in. And I feel like, yeah, we've got to welcome that more into our life. And a bit that like you were saying at the beginning of almost allowing that love to come in, not just self-love, but love from other people and then expressing that to others as well. Um, it's pretty amazing because I think that the way that you strip that back is so powerful because so many men listening, they just, they struggle with this. Because as you say, it's, it's this persona, isn't it, that you've got to put on, but it starts so young. Like I see it in my 11 year old you know he's got to be quite tough he's got to be i'll tell you something funny that happened not long ago that he's in a in the swim team and they're doing club swimming and an 11 year old girl turns around to one of his friends and says if you don't if you don't get first or second place i'll never kiss you again that's hot that's brutal isn't it and then he came third and this poor boy is in like in bits right and you just it's like you said something like that is trauma because this is just a peck on the cheek obviously they're 11 years old but even so like what a thing to say to somebody at you know in front of all his mates in the swim team you know he's big and strong and and if you don't get first or second that's it kind of thing it's you don't know where it comes from but you don't know it's it's amazing so interesting um uh um I think it's James Cracknell's wife says that show me a room full of Olympic gold medalists and I'll show you a room full of people whose parents never showed them love. Um, and it's, mm. you know, like think instance like that, you know, that kid ingrained in, in the, you know, was it your son, do you say, or your son's it friend? It was his friend. Yeah. His, his friend, friend, your son's friend. Son. That can like, you know, that could be a, a moment. He's like, I am never, you know, I cannot lose. Cause if I lose, I lose something pretty badly. Like, you know, there's a knock on effect. So I need to make sure I win. And that, that professional rugby player that I was talking about that I, who, who was um, worked with the hypnotherapist when I lived with him and it started, you know, he talks about a lot about how big part of his drive in life for, to, to achieve in rugby was always validation for his dad. And he never got it. And he's like, I know, I'll just achieve this and this. And then dad will give me some love. And then dad will give me. 
and it was a constant strive and wow. it's so much of our motivation so it can in a theory it can serve us but it's like at what cost you know are we disappointed mm. every time we don't achieve and is it reasonable to expect to go through life not fa never failing anymore because there can only be one best in the world and uh the chances aren't great you know no, it's very true but there is that pressure, isn't it, that's put on boys in some respects, maybe more than others. And as you say, then they're left with like, that's where we started, wasn't it, with this was well, how is masculinity under fire? It's like, but then at the same time, they need to be compassionate and loving and kind, but they still need to be super masculine. I mean, it's interesting. My, my eldest son said to me, I don't understand I don't understand you girls. I just don't get it. It's like, well, you're never going to understand us, so don't bother trying. But, <laughs> but he said, why is it that I, you, you want equality and you want everything to be the same, but then at school I'm taught to, to hold the door open for you. Why are you not holding the door open for me? And it's like, parenting so hot because you're just like, hmm. Yeah. I explain that. Yeah, you're um, right. You're kind of right. Um, it is difficult, isn't it? But even that, like, we could never end in this conversation. So sorry for taking over. But even that, like, I never understand, you know, girls. And it's like, there's the ego trying to understand and process and work it all out. Trying to, you don't, like, emotions aren't necessarily rational. And, like, love mm. is not rational. It's not something you process. You don't tick the boxes to love something you feel you have you surrender to it it's something that just you have to just like experience it you can't process it and work it out and you know i in society there is this perception that you almost just when well, you said it to some degree there that you know the common perception is that women are you know you're never going to work them out and they're the kind of crazy ones you know and it's like well they're feeling their emotions and emotions mm. can change very quickly. And yeah, they might not be as stable in, in their emotions in terms of constantly getting the same thing as a man. But what, why do we make that crazy? That's part of the human experience. It might not be as easy to understand, but I'm almost, the way I see it is that men are the crazy ones who aren't embracing their emotions. That's what's crazy. Like mm. we need to re-look re at this. Um, and I hope in time we will. And I'm, I'm told, like in some of the research, you know, back in the in the days, like years gone by, the feminine power, the, fem the feminine energy of being in tune with emotions, that was the, the sacred stuff. And men would try and learn from the women to learn to experience that more. And, you know, right now we live in a, in a world that is very much about doing and the masculine energy of, of what, what you achieved, what's on your CV, that's how you're measured. And none of it is about actually what you feel on the inside, which is the feminine energy. And uh, I'm very much the space I'm in at the moment is we need to, it's the feminine energy that's the sacred one. Yeah, I think, I think that is what we're lacking, isn't it? I, I interviewed a lady not long ago, actually, on the podcast. Fabi it was an interview with Fabian Fredrickson, and she'd spent some time with the Dalai Lama just before that on a, on a retreat. There were a few leaders uh, with them, and they were talking about how what's kind of really going to save the state that we're in at the moment is actually the divine feminine. It is that intervention and getting back in touch with feminine energy and allowing, as you say, allowing men to be in touch with their feminine side, because mm. that's so important. Um, to learn from women. Yeah. yeah. I think it is. There's a stat, isn't there, that the three countries that kind of survived the corona um, situation the best, the, Iceland, New Zealand, and another one, I can't remember, but they're all, they've all got female leaders. And... Um, you know, coincidence or not, but you can start to kind of piece together some kind of 
perhaps law of attraction into that in that mm. they, that they came from a different energy. They saw things differently and they treated it differently and they That's survived it. Who knows? But when it comes to empathy in people's lives, the, the female leaders did best when it comes to economy and perhaps production and GDP and all this stuff, perhaps the male energy is get it done. Obviously you get people like Margaret Thatcher who have got a lot of masculine energy as well. Mm. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit run, but it's interesting. No, but it's very true. It is true. And that doing energy allows you to kind of ignore what's really going on the whole time. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't feel it. Don't, don't have empathy or experience it. Let's just look at the stats and the figures, work it out. Yeah. Well, um, so what would you say kind of then as a, as a last thing before we close, if somebody wants to access that feminine energy, whether it's male or female, and get into that kind of heart space, what should they do? Is there a daily practice or something that they can do? Um, the simplest way that I, I try and explain it to people is to be quiet time, like no distractions, and just start with awareness and noticing the difference between like that intuition inside of your body, that knowing, that thing that just knows. You can't explain it, but it's just an instinct. It's, it's an energy inside of you. It starts to differentiate between that and the voice that chatters away in your head all the time and start to associate with, with the differences in the two and start noticing how one is very fearful and is trying to avoid rejection, failure, embarrassment, doing things wrong, getting things wrong. And the other is more fundamentally coming from a place of love and compassion and kindness and empathy. That's your, that's your feminine. That's your, that's, and that's your truth. You know, your, your, your thoughts are not your truth. They are programming from everything you've watched, you've seen, the conversations you've had, the past experiences you've had. They're just a recording of all that stuff. It's not actually you. Whereas that intuition, that knowing, that energy inside of you, that is you. If you want to feel aligned, you've got to listen to that to that energy and presumably it starts as a whisper and it kind of gets louder if you give it time yeah it does and that's the thing that's a really good and important point is they're like muscles the more you use both of them the the louder they are most people just only hear their ego so loud and clear that voice in their head that's very Mm -hmm. clear and they're 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 knowing inside of them is there is a quiet whisper i would say for me now honestly like it's all about the quiet whisper is, is a lot, that's what I hear. That's what I'm in tune with. And it's much easier after years of listening and listening to, to hear it. And, and it, it's the same for us all. We just have to choose and keep that's choosing. Amazing. amazing. Thank you for that, Ben. I'm excited about your book. You mentioned that. I want to link to all of this in the show notes where people can find you. So tell us when is the book coming out and where can people find you? Thank you. Um, well, the book is TBC because there's so much going on in the world that so we're still working things out in terms of how we're changing this. Because when I started it, it was a very different world to where it is yeah. now. So I think it's still going to be a year away now with everything going on realistically, sadly. Um, but um, yes, so that's a way off. But um, uh, otherwise, it's the Naked Professor on Instagram. And um, I am, it's really interesting that you use the word, we, we spoke a lot about heart space. But I'm, try- I'm creating a community called HeartSpace that is going to try and bring people together and who really want to, to connect with others who are in their heart and to, to learn to feel and to sit in that space with others. 
because then you can energize and, and you know feel safe around that community to do that and i feel that's missing and that's something i want to provide and yeah as i say i want to call that heart space so that's kind of the next chapter for me before the book um so that's coming soon hopefully and that, will that be on instagram or facebook or on another kind of membership platform where will you host it oh sorry that's my battery again no um uh so i'm going to host that on um partly on instagram but i'm also i'm also going to um build an app or i'm building an app at the moment that so hosting everything in there so it's very private by membership only and by by um, invitation only and uh, make sure it's very secure so that everyone knows that they are in a kind, compassionate heart, like open-hearted place. Um, so, um, so yeah, that's coming soon. Amazing. Yeah. How exciting. Well, keep us, yeah. keep us posted on that. I will link to everything um, in the show notes to this podcast. And I, you're very active on, on Instagram. So I'd encourage people to go there um, at The Naked Professor. And uh, thank you so much for coming on and share, you know, giving us your time and sharing all of that. It's been a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for just sitting in the space with me and having the conversation. It's been, it's been lovely. So thank you. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.